All right, so um, yeah, we'll do the commentary and then um, and then we'll hit a few other topics. Uh, oh, and then actually I wanna break you guys into uh, two groups as well. Um, so, all right, well, let's start out then. It is uh, Wednesday night, June 10th, um, and we're gonna do our uh, commentary uh, podcast uh, for this week. Uh, thank you all for joining. Um, and this is gonna be a short one, and I really just want to comment on some of the things that have been happening in the market. Um, where the market is in terms of valuation. Uh, talk a little bit about where I think we are with the pandemic, because I have some real definite thoughts on that. And, uh, and maybe we'll just do a couple of announcements uh, and wrap up the commentary for tonight, so it won't take long. Well, uh, I guess the first thoughts on the, um, uh, on the pandemic. Uh, you know, my view is that everything is opening up on a global basis uh, much, much too soon. And, um, uh, and, and my view on all this is, is just based on looking at the numbers and listening to the people uh, like uh, Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci, you know, who's the, uh, really the kind of guy that's leading the charge in this country, or actually for the, in the world for that matter, um, in terms of, of studying the, the path of the virus and, and um, you know, keeping up on, on uh, you know, possible vaccines and cures and so forth. We don't have a vaccine yet. We don't have a cure. Uh, the virus is still sp spreading, and, and it's actually recently it's been increasing a little bit. Um, and my view, and I think the view of, of Fauci and others, is that until we get a um, you know a, a cure, a vaccine, and a cure, and so forth, uh, the only thing that's going to keep keep this thing from really escalating um, is you know a responsible reopening. Um, uh, you know, by the states and, and the uh, global economy, um, social distancing, and so forth. Now, you know, my own personal take on this, um, just walking around our, our neighborhood, going out hiking, like over the weekend in the last few weeks, over the Memorial Day weekend and so forth, uh, what I see, at least on our areas, is people uh, have kind of, they've written this virus off. They don't, this is just my view, but it's, it's somewhat of an educated one. Uh, people just don't don't see the, the virus as something that's uh, it's really a threat anymore. Um, but unfortunately, the numbers are showing otherwise. Um, and I and I think that people don't really view the virus as, as being that big a deal because they're not they're not looking at the numbers like I do as an economist. That's that's what my main concern is. And again, I'm not making a judgment about you know society or any group. I mean, uh, I've got many many friends that are that fall in that same camp that they don't think the virus is a big deal. I got family that, that thinks the same way. So I'm certainly not making any judgment about, uh, you know, um, moral judgment or anything like that. I'm just saying, if you look at the numbers, um, this isn't over yet, and, uh, and and it's actually starting to get get worse. We're actually having a little bit of a resurgence now, and, and apparently Dr. Fauci is making that same same observation. So I've been listening pretty closely to Dr. Fauci and also uh, Chairman uh, Fed Chairman uh, Jerome Powell. Um, and as I said in one of my commentaries, it's not because they're smart people, which they are, or it's not just because they're smart people, uh, which they certainly are. But, you know, these are people, them and others, that um, really have a good overview of what's going on. Um, their data scientists, both of them in their own, in their own way, uh, you know, uh, Fauci's a, a medical doctor and <coughs> a, um, uh, you know, what do you call it, but virologist, uh, Anyway, he studies infectious diseases. He's been doing this for 40 years. 
and, uh, and you know, consulted to many uh, uh, different presidential administrations and so forth. Um, and he's been through many virus situations like this anyway, but he's a data scientist. And he's looking at the numbers. Uh, Jerome Powell, same thing. He's an economist, but he's looking at the numbers. Uh, and they, they both have big staffs and, and associates that are tracking the numbers too. So it, it's a numbers game. And, uh, one of the commentaries I'm going to be posting here in the next day or so, um, you know, really kind of, kind of says those exact, that, those exact words. It, it's a numbers game. Uh, that, that, well, it's not a numbers game. It's, it's, it's all in the numbers is really what I'm saying in these, in these commentaries. Um, so uh, so th that's my view on the situation. Um, uh, many of us you know, think if things keep going on the, on the tra trajectory that they're going, um, unless, and this is a big, big if, um, if we don't have something that is either a vaccine or some sort of a cure, you know, if you will, uh, for the virus, in other words, if, the vir if, if there's nothing that stops the virus from a medical standpoint, um, I, I don't, from what I observe, people aren't doing a very good job of, of, of stopping it. They've, they've slowed things down a little bit, and, but, you know, as restaurants open up now, as schools open up, as, you know, pretty much the whole world's opening back up, many places in the world anyway, you know, we've got new, new, new systems in place. Um, and in fact, that's kind of an interesting thing, too, is my wife and I were this weekend, we were, um, we went to a couple of stores, Lowe's and, and uh, I think one or two others. And it's interesting, um, you know, they have the tapes on the ground you know, that you can't get, uh, you know, you have to stand on the tape so that you're not getting closer to six feet. And they have the plexiglass in front of the cashier. And, and so, so they have all these formal things in place. And people in the stores, by the way, seem to be wearing the, the, the masks uh, and you know, keeping the social distancing. But as soon as they go outside, masks come off. People don't care about social distancing. Um, not, not everyone, but, but too many people. And it, it only takes a few people um, that, that don't really uh, follow the social distancing and, the, and these new um, things that have been put in place to really, to really cause the, uh, the pandemic to spread again. And again, the numbers, uh, unfortunately, are starting to bear out that as we have been opening up and relaxing restrictions, uh, the numbers have been increasing. And, and again, it's just, all you have to do is look at the numbers. Uh, it's, it's really well clear. Um, and as I mentioned, though, you know, one school I'm familiar with is actually planning um, for the likelihood that, that in the, uh, you know, in the wintertime uh, that the, the pandemic or the, the virus will start spreading again. So they're adjusting their school schedule to accommodate that, which makes a lot of sense, by the way. But again, when people look at the numbers, they're making the right decisions. <clears throat> when they just go outside and, and want to socialize, um, they, they don't seem to be uh, paying as much attention. So I, I think that's a big problem. I think we're, um, you know, and as I've been saying for quite some time, uh, the, the real danger for the economy, because that's really where my main interest in all this comes from, uh, well, I mean, besides the obvious health standpoint, is that from an economic standpoint, um, if we have to close the economy back down again because the virus has gotten out of control, uh, I think the the, uh, you know, the the second shock to the economy will be much worse than the first one. Um, and and uh, Fed Chairman Powell is on record for saying the same thing, as well as, as many others. Uh, again, it, it's not it's not rocket science. You just have to look at the numbers. You just have to kind of understand what's going on, uh, and you can see that. Um, 
So that's my take um, on on the, the virus and where we stand in that situation. Um, how about the markets? The, the, the markets have been uh, actually back to pre-pandemic levels and the Nasdaq's even been setting new records, um, which, is, which is interesting. And many of us have been for quite some time kind of scratching our heads about that. We're still scratching our heads. But I think one big factor in this, and I, I mentioned this um, uh, before, is that the market is that when we talk about the market, we always have to define what we talk about when we talk about the market. So when you when you see that sort of the headline um, news, or when you know when, when people say the market, and you see that on the TV or you see that in the in the newspaper, what they're generally talking about when they say the market is they're talking about the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Well, that's only 30 stocks. Okay, um, now that's been the index that's been around the longest. Um, uh, the Dow indexes, the Dow Jones Industrial Average has been the benchmark for you know well over 100 years. Um, so when people say the market, that's what they're referring to. But professional investors, when they talk about the market, um, they're really talking more about the Standard & Poor's 500, okay, um, which is the 500 largest stocks um, that are in the United States. Um, and so... Um, so the first thing we have to say is, well, when we say the market, what do we, what do we mean by that? Um, so if you look at the Standard & Poor's 500 as being a broader index, and by the way, there's much, much better indexes for the market than the Standard & Poor's 500, in other words, the 500 largest stocks. Um, there's, if you looked at the Standard & Poor's 1500, for example, that's going to be the S&P 500, which are the 500 largest stocks. It's going to be the Standard & Poor's 400 which are the mid-cap stocks, and it's going to be the standard for 600, which are the small-cap stocks. So 6, 4, and 5, that's 15. So the standard for 1,500, which is never quoted. Um, but, you know, you can look at that, you can find that index, and you can, you can see that that's a much better picture of, of the economy. Um, but there's even indexes that are larger than that. There's the Wilshire indexes, which go up into the 3,000 and 4,000. So anyway, but but people usually, when they... Professionals, anyway, when we talk about the market, we're usually talking about the Standard Poor's 500. And so, one one thing to look at when we talk about the the S and P 500 is is the composition. And so, as of uh, Monday, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, the tech stocks, um, which are let me get to the right page here, um, the, the the biggest biggest tech stocks, which are going to be, so it's going to be Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Google, Google Parent, Alphabet, and Facebook. Um, those stocks together make up more than 20% of the Standard & Poor's 500. So those what I say, those about five stocks, right? Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, uh, Apple, and Facebook. Uh, I believe that's what they call the FANG stocks. Um, so those together make up, uh, because of their market gains largely, um, make up all, you know, a little bit more than 20% of the standard points 500. By the way, that's up from about 12% um, uh, just a few months ago. So what does that mean? Well, I mean, and, and how does that explain what's happening in the market? Again, if we're using as our market proxy, as our market benchmark, uh, the Standard & Poor's 500, 
And we have those five stocks, which are doing very, very well then, as you might imagine. Um, if you use that as, if you use the Standard Poor's 500 as the benchmark and you look at the fact that those five stocks have appreciated so much in value um, and now make up 20%, more than 20% of the index, then you can kind of start to see why the index, why, why the market as represented by that index is doing so well. Now, does that, do those five stocks represent the market? No, they represent five stocks in the tech industry, technology stocks in general, are doing pretty well. The NASDAQ has set new records um, in the last uh, couple of days. And so um, so that's a little bit deceiving. So that uh, I don't have to scratch my head quite as hard when I when I look at it from this standpoint, knowing that, uh, that you know, companies in general, I mean, they look at the economic news uh, every day, and as you know, we follow this uh, very, very closely. We've been following it for several years, um, but uh, particularly in the last uh, few months, um, we're following economic news, and the economic news has steadily been getting worse and worse and worse. That's not, it's maybe easing up a little bit. I think that's just because there's not much, uh, maybe there's not much much worse we can get. But um, but anyway, the, the news is, the economic news is, is not good, um, and companies are being hurt, um, and you know there's high unemployment, uh, even despite May's uh, slight increase. So, um, uh, so anyway, so that, that's where we stand with the market. Uh, the market, by the way, uh, if you want, however you want to measure it, whether it's by the Standard & Poor's uh, 500 or by the um, Dow Jones Industrial Average, I take my glasses off to read this. So as of Friday, last Friday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average had a PD ratio of 22.57. I think that's what that says. No, it's a little bit more than 22. PD ratio more than 22. And the standard, standard Poor's 500 had a PD ratio of 22.9. So they're both in the high 22 range. Now, normal range for the uh, PD ratios, historical PD ratios, is in about the 15 to 18 range. And um, you know, again, I refer you to a chart that I refer, refer you to often um, that is um, in, in our sister website or system publication, the Intrinsic Value Wealth Report. So the, the commentary is part of the Intrinsic Value Wealth Report newsletter. The first website, the first website we had, which is now just an educational website, <clears throat> has a chart on there um, which shows the price earnings ratios. It goes back um, you know, years and years and years and years. Um, shows the, the, uh, the PD ratios over that entire period of time versus the expected 10-year return uh, on, on the market. Again, market, this in this case, being represented by the standard price 500. And you know, once you get over about 20, or actually probably about 18 to 20, um, on the PD ratios, what, you, what happens um, is, um, and this is a very, again, it's just the numbers, okay, they are what they are, um, is that the, um, so when you get into a high PE ratio, so no one's an overvalued market, um, your expectation, because this is what's happened um, historically time and time and time again, is that you'll get a negative return uh, from the, if you invested in that very, very high-priced market um, over the subsequent 10-year period of time. So you invest in a high-priced market, subsequent, sometime during that subsequent 10-year period, you're going to have a, a negative, overall negative return. So... <clears throat> 
This market is not, <clears throat> excuse me, this market is not uh, a not cheap market. Uh, it's not, um, it's not even fairly valued, it's, it's overvalued. And so I just had to take a sit in my lemonade here. Um, so how should we, how should we as investors be, be uh, you know, dealing with all this? Well, um, what I've been telling people for the last several weeks in this podcast, as well as in the commentary, is I think the market's overvalued, has been for several weeks now. Um, but, you know, just stay the course on a gradual investment program. You know, dollar cost averaging might help you out. Um, but at least it will keep you from jumping in <clears throat> at a high level. Many, many, many people um, believe because the market is overvalued um, and because we might have a resurgence of the pandemic, believe that the market uh, may drop precipitously. I can't tell you whether that's going to happen or not. The market is not uh, rational in most cases. One of the articles I wrote was sometimes the market's wrong. Um, and that seems to be about 20% of the time based on that chart I just told you about. Um, but, you know, markets can stay overvalued for very, very long periods of time. So I think the best advice I can give you is just, you know, kind of keep up a regular investment program if you have one. If not, start one, because um, it's better to be um, investing at least, you know, over time. Again, for, for most of you being young people, um, you, you want to start you know, building your, your savings, your retirement even, um, but also just you know, start investing for your future goals whether it's buying a house or whatever. Again, you're young, you have time on your side. By the way, a long-term investment horizon um, is considered to be about 20 years. So you folks that are late teens, early 20s, um, you know, 20 years, you're gonna be you know, just cracking 40 years old. So you've got um, you know, at least probably two long-term investment horizons, if not longer, um, for you to be looking at investing. So, you know, start, just keep your, keep your program going or start a gradual investing program. If the market does drop a lot, uh, and again, I can't tell you whether that's going to happen. I can only tell you things like the market is definitely valued right now. But if the market should drop, um, then, you know, that would be a cause for, for putting, you know, a little bit more money back into the market. That's what Warren Buffett does and, it's, uh, and others, and that's worked out pretty well for him over the years. Um, you know, Warren Buffett, by the way, um, uh, now, he's not doing as much of the investing for Berkshire as he used to. Uh, he's got uh, people that, that work for him and, uh, and they're doing a lot of the investing these days. But, you know, Warren Buffett, uh, during really the peak of his career when he was investing a lot, he probably knew every stock that he was going to, uh, you know, buy in the last you know, 40 years or, or, or whatever. Um, and so um, he would just wait for the, the prices to get good on it, to get cheap. And, uh, and when that would happen, he'd, he'd jump in, in a big way. Uh, he and I both bought Apple, um, what year it was, it was you know, a couple of years ago, I got into Apple at about 95 bucks a share. And um, um, you know, so the, the, the metrics we use, um, which will actually be a future subject in this course, as well as, uh, uh, future podcasts and so forth. Um, you know, we have we have uh, methodologies that we can use in finance to help us determine whether a market is um, or a stock, for that matter, um, is overvalued or undervalued or whatever. And um, and so, you know, if we just stay to that discipline, 
and wait for the the markets and or the stocks to become cheap, and they will in most cases. Um, well, the markets will always become cheap at some point in time. The stocks usually quite often will. Um, or we should be looking for for undervalued stocks. Um, you know that that's a good way to to invest. Um, but we're not in uh, with 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 some individuals. Many individual stocks actually may be in that that situation. With the market as a whole, uh, the markets are overvalued. So uh, enough said on that. Um, and I did want to make one other point um, about the, uh, the the pandemic because um, I, I I don't want to leave without making this point again. Uh, the question, the rhetorical question, or the theoretical question, whatever you want to say, is this. Um, so, we're, so if we're looking at the pandemic and we're saying, well, you know, what's the real danger in the pandemic? And so here's the, here's the question, and I think I've, I've asked this class this before, um, but, it, but here's the question. Um, if you start with one drop of water and you double it every minute, so start with one drop of water, double it every minute, um, how long would it take to fill an average size stadium? Have we, have we, uh, let me just ask, anyone want to volunteer uh, that answer? And I, I don't remember if we've talked about in this class before. So you start with one drop of water, double it every minute. How, how long would it take to fill like a football stadium or a baseball stadium or a soccer, whatever it is? Anyone want to guess? Well, okay. So it actually takes less than an hour. It takes somewhere around 45 minutes to fill, fill an entire stadium just by doubling one drop of water every minute. Well, if you apply that to the situation of the pandemic, okay, so you have one person that has the virus and that person spreads it to two and those two spread to four and so forth and so on, you can see how quickly something like a pandemic spreads. And that's, that's what, what people like Fauci and others um, who, who know those numbers and have seen this happen before, um, you know, that's what happens with pandemics uh, that are left unchecked. So, um, well, with that, I think we're going to uh, wrap up that discussion for tonight, um, and we'll move on to the uh, to the next topic. Um, so, I'm 